let's go to the word of the Lord in, in um, uh, the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to start in chapter uh, 8, verse 11, but just for to be a good Don Lavelle, let's start in verse 10. <laughs> let's start in verse 10. I, I never shall forget, never shall forget when we started the Roman series. And uh, we started in Romans 1, and I went to Ephesians. And one of our elders almost just fell out. <laughs> now, what in the world? First time I've ever seen somebody preach Romans from Ephesians. But anyway, so I'm in verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. And if or since Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And so what Paul is saying basically is that even though the body is going to die because of sin, uh, the spirit gives life to that body so that we may serve God. So the body is really uh, uh, on its way to, to death, but because of the Holy Spirit living in you, the body is, is alive and vibrant. The body uh, is alive so that you and I might serve God, but the Otherwise, the body has no usefulness to God. Does that make sense to you? And so I want you to get this really very uh, good or understand it very well because you and I have a tremendous end-time assignment. And it's like being prepared as an athlete. You don't want to get prepared when you get to the game. You want to be prepared beforehand so that when you get to the game, you're winning. You know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. So you and I have an assignment to win at life. So we don't want to wait till we get into these negative situations uh, and then to be prepared. Oh, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. And some people, uh, those among us who, who speak in tongues, will start to do that. So you like, let me get this power real quickly, quickly. No, it's, it's too late for that. You know, face whatever you're facing. So the body, though, is prepared by the Holy Spirit, but allow that the Holy Spirit to, to inculcate in you all that Jesus is for you. All right? And so now Paul has told us that the body is dead uh, because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And so the, you and I now, uh, by the Holy Spirit, have the ability, the power of God to walk righteously. I want to say that again because some people will hear that and walk out of here and act unrighteously. That's true. That happens. Now you say, well, Pastor, come on. These are all saints. I'm just saying somebody has to drive badly out there. And then you'll you, you get upset. You say, they saw me and I had the right of way. I, I told you a number of years ago, I don't know if I've mentioned it in, in a, several years, but I kept hearing a word abnegate in my spirit. Abnegate, abnegate. <clears throat> kept hearing that word, and I thought, I don't think I even know what that means. And um, I, I rebuke you. But, but I, and so I said, let me look up this word abnegate. I looked up abnegate. It says to give up your rights. You know, live a life where you give up your rights uh, and you give up your rights so that you can walk with, with Jesus. And so I learned, okay, God wants me to live a life of abnegation, not going around demanding my rights. I don't believe in it. I believe in submitting these things to God. And this is what we should do as believers. I'm not saying in every single case in life you don't say anything. 
Our Father did teach, teach us that there, there are sometimes you are, are supposed to speak up, but you don't do it because of your feelings. You do it because the Holy Spirit is saying, no, this is the time to say such and such. Amen. That's how we are to live. Amen. You don't live because, well, those are my rights. Well, really? Are you going to uh, walk through life now saying, I'm demanding my rights in every situation? Well, where is, the, where is your Christianity? Where, where is you, your turning of the cheek? If you're going to demand everything, you don't have a cheek to turn. Are oh, you still with me? Amen. All right. But he goes on to say, verse 11, but if, but if or since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit renting a space. The Holy Spirit has not rented a space in you. You are the residence of God. So, the Holy Spirit now dwells. And I love that the word dwell, it means to remain. He remains in you. He's going to stay in you. He's not going to leave you. It's not, it's not a temple experience. Remember when um, uh, uh, the Scripture talks about God leaving the temple and uh, he, he left the temple and Ezekiel saw him going away. People had so desecrated the temple. But God's not going to leave you. He will not leave you like he left that temple in Jerusalem. He will not leave, uh, leave you. He will not leave you. He has promised now to never leave you. And that, that's why the Holy Spirit now is not in a brick-and-mortar building. The, the Holy Spirit is in a living, fleshly building. I mean, a live building when I say that, not carnal. So, he says, since the, uh, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, spiritual life, zoe, to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So, because his spirit dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. Acts chapter 2, verse 24 Acts chapter 2, verse 24 says, Whom God raised up, speaking of Jesus, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So, th that reality of Jesus is your reality too. So, death, that is, though your body is dying, it cannot stop you from doing what God has promised you because the Spirit now in you has given life to your mortal body because of the righteousness of God. So, you and I have no excuse. When we see Jesus, we will, we will have no excuse. We won't say, Lord, I would have if she had. I would have if he had. I would have if I'd had more money. None of those things are obstacles to you. Why? Because the, the Most High God, the Spirit of the Most High God lives in you. Lives in you, lives in you. So, I, I want us to grasp that. I want us to really embrace that. The Spirit of God lives in you. We hear that, and we sort of intellectualize that, but let us not intellectualize that. Let us internalize that. Can we do that? Would you say, the Spirit of God lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I am animated by the Holy Spirit. And so, now, now, those of us who, who, who are sort of like, let me just use maybe a, 
a little bit of a declension. Let me come down a little bit. Sometimes we don't grasp the Holy Spirit and Christ. I've heard people when I'm talking around the world in some places, I was in one nation and I was talking about Jesus and Jesus because they were talking about all kinds of principles, this principle and that principle. And I'm saying, I want to talk about the principle. And I was, I didn't say that, but I, that's what I was saying inside. And I, I was just talking about Jesus and, and my messages were Jesus, Jesus. And one of the, the leaders got up and wanted to defend the Holy Spirit. I thought, I, I, it was one of my times when I, I go, you know, I, the, my, one of my favorite expressions, I thought, que lastima. <laughs> I thought, what a pity. This man is trying to defend the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the believer argues for Jesus being there. It's all a strong voice for Jesus being in you. So you don't have to try to give equal time to the Holy Spirit. They're not jealous of one another because they're one. Yeah. The Godhead, there are three persons of the Trinity. And listen, and so, oh, you're one of those Trinitarians. Absolutely, because you can't be your own father. God, God, Yahweh, the Father of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's look at Romans 6, 4. Romans 6, 4. Now, this goes again. I know some of you, every time you see Romans 6, 4, you're going to think about pickles, right? <laughs> Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried with him. Can you imagine being buried with Christ? You were entombed with Christ. You were put in that tomb with Christ. That just as Christ was now raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so he, he shows us that, that we are one with Christ forever inextricably. I like that word, inextricably. That means that there's no way that Christ could be raised and you could not. There's no way that you could go into Christ if you had a suction hose and could suction uh, all of you out, you would get Christ too. There's no way that you could be removed one from the other. So that should cause us to really understand who we are. That's why no weapon formed against us can prosper. That's why when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't have to come from heaven. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Not my spirit, but the Spirit of the Lord lives in us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And so he, he, he commands us to walk in newness of life. When he says newness of life, he wants us to walk in the very life of Jesus Christ, the very life of God. You don't have to summon that life. That life is already located in you. And so in Romans 8, verses uh, 9 through 11, we know that the Holy Spirit gives life to a person um, a person, because a person can never be related to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. And I've taught you that every believer has the Holy Spirit. And I always shared also with you that many, many feel like, no, you don't ever have the Holy Spirit until you have the particular manifestation that they had in the book of Acts chapter 2. You must speak in tongues before you have the Holy Spirit. I am not anti-speaking in tongues at all. I, I have a prayer language myself. And so you say, well, I've never heard it. Well, you just never heard it. But I, I do. But I have the Holy Spirit. I have this manifestation. And it, it's a, it's a powerful manifestation. And sometimes... 
is, uh, he leads me to pray like that, especially when I'm at home on my knees and sometimes even in church. But not, I don't do that to show myself more holy. And, and I don't do that for that reason. But the Holy Spirit has many, many manifestations, and he will give you so many manifestations. When somebody, you lay hands on somebody and they're healed, that is a manifestation that the Holy Spirit is there. When you get a prophetic utterance, that is a manifestation that the Holy Spirit is there. And some of you say, I don't believe in that tongues, but you ought to use yours to do something. Yeah, say, give somebody an encouraging word all, rather than being a naysayer. Amen. Are you with me today? And, and I would say to you, as you continue to walk with Jesus through this life, you continue, you're going to have many manifestations of the Spirit. I, I also will say to you by the Spirit of God that throughout eternity, we're going to be exploring God in ways. If we could say, I don't know what we're going to say. You know, I've, I've seen guys say, good, goodly, goodly. You know, I've seen them say stuff like that, like, ooh, wow. Gee whiz, or whatever. I don't know what we're going to say as supernatural beings without these bodies, but we're going to have amazing experiences with God forever and ever and ever and ever. I know that. How do you know that? I know that by the Spirit who dwells within me. And I have not said anything that's extra biblical. Are you still with me? Oh, wow. Wow. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. 4 through 6. It says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency, listen, our sufficiency is from God. So, so God makes us sufficient. Who also made us sufficient. We have everything we need as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, what? But of the spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. All right? But can we look at another scripture? First yes. Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And, I, and I'm using the ESV for this, but you can use King James. It doesn't matter. New King James. New King James. Uh, but uh, these scriptures, these scriptural, I call them witnesses, supports, they come from various parts of the Bible to let you know how true Paul, what Paul is saying is, how true it is, Everything that Paul is saying. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, I love this one, we were all baptized into one body. So before we were baptized with water, we were baptized in the spirit. We were baptized by the spirit. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So the spirit, as it were, take, took you or takes us, present tense, and he baptizes us into himself. Now, listen, what happens? He says, we, he ba we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. This is amazing. So, he takes all that competitive craziness from us, that all that I'm better than you. Uh, you know, your, your folks are this and that and mine are better. He takes all that nuttiness from us and says, we, uh, he, we were all baptized into one body. That is the body of Christ. But we're baptized in the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We enter uh, the Holy Spirit. You get it? That's the Christ sphere. Christ died for that. And he says, uh, whether we're, uh, we're Jews or Greeks, that means uh, Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And listen, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We all are drinking of that one spirit. 
all drinking. So that means that God took us and he inundated us in the Spirit of God, as it were. The Holy Spirit inundated us. And so, <laughs> Holy Spirit, without and within. That's what the body of Christ looks like. We must know that as we live in this crazy hour, this insane hour. If you and I are still insane after all of this spirit, worship, word, I'm afraid for us. I'm going to say that we're, we're not safe if we still have all that insanity, if we still have our, our own will, our own way. No, there's something wrong there. Because the Holy Spirit is not feeble. He's not weak. He is not unable to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He's not unable. Yes. Now, listen. Listen what he's saying. We have been all made to drink. Then Paul says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Who, where is he located? Who is in you? Where is he located? In you. Okay? Who is in you? Where, where does he come from? Whom you have from God. And what do you conclude? And you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You do not have a right to come into God's house, God's building, and bring all of your stuff. You go, well, I know what I think. Really? This is Father's Day. You know what? I, I never, I had a better sense. You would have ever met me. I had a great, great dad, great mother, great grandparents, great uncles, great around spiritual people. But you would have never known me if I walked in the house and said to my dad, Dad, let me help you. Let me tell you how to run this house. You wouldn't, know, wouldn't have ever met me. <laughs> Listen to what, what he says. <laughs> or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Don't you know you're not your own? Don't you know you're not your own? Don't you know you're not your own? And if you're not your own, your money is not your own. The house you live in is not your own. Come on, brothers and sisters. We have a job to do, and God wants us to take this picture of, of Jesus Christ and his body to the earth to show people you can't do it having your own sensibilities and doing your own thing. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's impossible. Impossible. Some of us are wanting to wait until it's time for the train to leave, to leave our own house. Yeah, I gave you that example of people running to catch the train. Verse 20 says, listen, we want you to know why you're not young. For you were bought at a price. The price was the death of Jesus Christ. So why don't we just get that and walk in that and then see the glory of God. It says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. He didn't say the Holy Spirit here. In your spirit, which are God's. So what he's saying is God purchased you. And he purchased you and gave you a purpose. Walk in it. Okay. Let me, let me just read a couple of more there's, I don't want to go into, I, I'm so sorry. I, I did just one verse, two verses in Romans 8 today. So it's okay. Blame Pastor Stan Matt. 
He's the one who said, take your time. Let's look at Acts, and then we're going to, we'll, we'll end for today. Acts chapter 10, verses 45, 46. Acts 10, 45, 46. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. They were in Cornelius' house. Remember, uh, Peter was on the, in Joppa. He was praying on the roof at the hour of prayer. He had a vision. Uh, a sheet came down from heaven. The sheet was coming down from heaven uh, with all kinds of unclean animals on it. Now, P Peter was raised a, a, as a Jew, so he was not supposed to eat those animals. And so uh, there was a voice coming from heaven, the voice of God saying, Rita, hey, Peter, not Rita, uh, Peter. Hey, Peter, rise, slay, eat, like kill, eat. He said, no, Lord, isn't that nutty? I mean, but that's a picture of all of us. I'm not calling the Apostle Peter nutty per se. I'm just saying that's just the way human beings are. No, Lord, nothing coming or unclean is ever coming to my mouth. I can't do it. He said three times. So Peter said, "What does that mean?" This is what, that's, that's what's going on. And and and, um, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because they had gone to this Gentile. God was telling him, he said, look, there's somebody at, your, at the door of uh, Simon's house here. You, you go with them. Don't ask any questions. Just go. He says, okay. So he's going and wondering what the vision meant. And they're, they're telling him that their, quote, unquote, master, their boss has had this vision of, and an angel had come and told him to call for Peter. So he says, so Peter went down to this house and went in. It was not their custom Jews, but he went into a Gentile's house. He went into what they would call a Gentile dog's house, an uncircumcised person's house, nasty. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, they all went, were amazed because as Peter was talking to Cornelius, the gift of the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came and manifested himself just as he had done on the day of Pentecost. And, and so these Gentiles are now are, are, are having the, a Jewish experience, and they are sitting up there speaking in other tongues, a language they never stu studied. Now, if you're online, don't you get away, go away from there. Stay right here with me. You're here, don't you get up and walk out. They began to speak in other tongues or unknown tongues, just like it happened to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And at that time, it was the first time such a phenomenon had ever happened. And that some of the people said, make mocking, oh, they're drunk, they're drunk, they're drunk. And the other, others were saying, what is this? These people are talking about the wonderful works of God. Yeah. But now modern people say, oh, that's over. No, what's not over, we know, is our ignorance. You mean that's over. I'm just saying this is real. It's real for everybody. No matter whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, it's real for everybody. Pentecostal doesn't matter. It's real for everybody. God wants you to have experiences with him. You're going to tell God what kind of experiences you're going to have? Here's God talking to Peter out of heaven saying, Peter, rise, flare, and eat. Uh-uh, not me. What? Peter is the friend that we all need. But listen what happened. He says, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they, listen, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. How can extolling God be wrong and unacceptable? 
Look at Acts 2.17, what happened. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, this is ESV, that I will pour out my spirit. Do you have, is that ESV you have? Acts 2.17, uh, Acts not 12.17. Acts 2.17. And, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Listen to what God says. This is going to happen in the last days. These are, not the, these are not the first days. These are the last days. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. I'm going to pour out my spirit, and I'm going to cause manifestations. Are you going to be mad at God because he, he poured out a particular manifestation? Are you going to be mad because you got, I feel creepy? I want all that God has. It doesn't matter what it looks like, what it feels like. I want all that God has. When I go to heaven, I would never have been there before, but I want heaven. I'm not going to tell God, like that friend of my dad, don't just leave me in California, he said. He said, when Jesus comes, he doesn't have to take me to heaven. Just leave me in California. I'll be fine. That's nutty. And so you and I, the Holy Spirit coming in, it's going to get rid of some of our nuttiness. I'll be back in just a minute. 